baptism is the anchor of a follower of Jesus' new identity. Now think about that. Baptism is the anchor of a follower of Jesus' new identity. To some of you, that's going to conflict. Some of you, (laughs) you've not even thought about that. And yet, how often do people say, have you been baptized? Now, we do not believe that baptism brings a person salvation. We believe that a faith relationship with Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, understand, a faith relationship with Jesus Christ is Lord is what brings that relationship, the connection with God, or what we call salvation or being saved. And yet, we often ask, I'm getting baptized right now. We often ask, have you been baptized? We don't normally say, have you, do you have a relationship, a faith relationship with Jesus Christ the Lord? Have you been saved? We may say, but many people say, have you been baptized? Matter of fact, Paul met some people that were called disciples of John. And he says, have you been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, we know nothing of the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul introduces them to Jesus and baptizes them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, baptism is the anchor of a follower of Jesus' new identity. We do not consider baptism important today. Many churches downplay it. And yet, Jesus never downplayed it. Our Lord never downplayed it. But we do. We don't want to make people do what they don't feel comfortable doing or what they don't want to do. We don't want to tell people God wants you to do that. And if Jesus is Lord, He set the example. The New Testament says when He came to John at the Jordan River, John baptizing people, the Bible talks about for the repentance of sin, Jesus had no sin. So he's not. He comes to John and John already says this is the Lamb of God. He knows He's the Messiah. John says, you ought to baptize me. Jesus says, no. Let's do what the Father says is right at this time. You see, because Jesus showed us baptism is important. It's the anchor of our new identity. Are you a Christian? I've been baptized. That's what many people say. And Jesus thought it was very important. He told the people that followed Him for almost three years, when He left them to go back to be with the Father, He said, you go, you tell people about Me that they'll become followers of Mine, disciples. And you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then you teach them My words. And many people want to learn His words before they'll make the commitment to receive Him as their Lord and being baptized. Maybe that's you. Yes, this world, and I'm afraid in church we're losing the significance of, of the importance of baptism as the anchor of the follower of Jesus' new identity. Satan will beat us down, every one of us. He will make us feel at times we don't deserve a relationship with God. He will make us feel our old self before Christ, even though we are our new selves in Christ. And baptism. I followed my Lord Jesus Christ in a believer's baptism. That's our anchor. We hold on to. 
And he, and he compared it. Man, that could have been a sermon in its own right. He compared it to crossing the Red Sea. And, and that's foreign to some people. But, but you read the Old Testament. After that experience, that's what people of this world remembered about the Hebrews. They had a God that parted the waters. And what we do to this world is we demonstrate to them the God who takes us to the water. A baptism saying, I believe Jesus Christ went to the cross for me. I stand in this water given that public announcement. And I go under, just as Paul said, identifying with the fact that Jesus died. He died. I've told you the Muslims don't believe He died. Not on that cross. For my sins. And when you come out of the water, Paul says you identify with the fact that as Jesus rose to new life, you rise to live for Him. Some of you need to be baptized. You're followers of Jesus. But you refuse. And I invite you. I invite you to be baptized. If you have your worship handout, this yellow piece of paper, look on the very front page. The very front page. We're going to have a dunk party. That's what we're going to have next week. We're going to come at 10 o'clock. People are going to bring food. If you don't want to bring food, come and eat free. We're going to try. We're going to eat about 10.15. We had a great dunk party the last time. We'll have tables set back and kids rock. They'll be with us in here. Bring your food. You put it on the table. We're not looking for any deep dishes. As much as I know some of you ladies make great dumplings and noodles and beef and chicken and noodles, we're not looking maybe that involved. Okay? We're looking for something that we can enjoy quickly and we can enjoy together. We're going to celebrate what we're going to do here. We're going to come in here. We're going to have a worship experience. We're going to baptize. Then we're going to party. We're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate that people aren't ashamed to publicly declare Jesus is Lord by their baptism. And so I ask you to read that. But I invite you. I invite you, if you have not been baptized as a follower of Jesus, to talk with me after this experience. We'd be pleased sharing that experience with you. If you've read any of this, the inside page always has this near the end of the month, we do a what we call, we receive a gift. Touch someone's life gift. We don't even call it an offering. We don't normally pass plates. We've done that. Well, we pass buckets and things like that. And we decided, we're just putting a box in the back. People want to give a connection, they put it in the box in the back. Believe me. Connection doesn't exist to get your money. (laughs) If you belong to God, God will tell you your money is His. He gave it to you to begin with and all He asks for you is some of it back. The Bible indicates maybe that's a tithe. Maybe that's more than a tithe and offering. You've heard me say before, some people have trouble with tithing. If you have trouble with tithing, don't give connection a tithe. But I'm going to tell you, if you have trouble with tithing, you have trouble giving God your money. 
And here's how I'll prove it to you. Don't give Connection your money. Keep coming to Connection. Okay? I'm not wanting your money. Our lead team doesn't want your money. So you give your tithe to another church. Show God that the money isn't what is controlling you. And you just come and attend Connection. Find out where your heart really is. But we, we, we don't pass an offering. And I usually have, don't talk about money. Somebody asked me whenever I said that a few weeks ago. We got financial problems. We always got financial problems. But we don't have any problems as long as we don't overspend our money. And connection doesn't work in the red. But you see, there's always more ministry that can be done. And we'll do that when that's right. But we don't pass that. But what we do, once a month, near the end of the month, we pass popcorn bags. And we just ask people if they would like, put in their dimes, their nickels, their quarters, their dollars. Some people write a check. If you write a check, it'll go toward next month's offering. Because what will happen is the lead team will collect this money. This is just a gift. I'll explain that in a minute. They'll go out and they'll count it. They'll bring it back in. I'll tell you how much it is. And we're going to release it to God. I'm going to ask one of you to come up here. I'm going to ask somebody to come up here. And I'm going to give you that bag of money. And the money isn't for you. Ah, you thought you hit it. Price is right. Come on down, right? No, that's not what it is. The request is that you'll take that money. And this week you'll give it to somebody. Somebody that you just see needs it. Not a difficult thing. Some people make it difficult. If it's just $20, $20 given to the right person at the right time is encouragement. We don't ask you to push connection. If people ask you what church, you can always just tell them connection. Don't be rude. We just tell them, hey, our church just has this money they want to give to you because God loves you. God cares about you. We care about you. Something like that. Don't even use the word connection. We want to release this to God for Him to use. And so we're going to accept, we're going to receive this gift. So I'd like the lead team to come up and get ready, start passing the bags. Let me say, if you aren't regular at connection, don't put any money in the bag. Please don't put any money in the bag. This is not to get your money. As I said, if it was only twenty dollars that came up, that'd be special someone. If you have a need for five or ten dollars, and it's, that bag passes you and you see it, by all means, you reach in and take that five or ten dollars. You reach in. This is a God thing. This is not us trying to control it. The lead team has talked about this. We're trying to release it. And so you, you, I know you'll feel awkward, but, but you do it anyway if you need it. It's God's provision, okay? So while they're doing that, I want us to move on. We're going to get to the sermon. I've, been, I've started Easter Sunday a sermon series called Freedom from Your Pain. Okay? You see, we have a pain. And our pain is sin. Sin causes us anxiety. Sin causes us to fret. Sin causes us to worry. Sin causes us to carry hurt feelings. And those hurt feelings just bottle up in our minds and hits our emotions. And, and sometimes we can't function. And we need freedom from the, that pain. And God never intended it for it to be that way. But man chose to live his way by sin. Man, men, women choose to sin. 
And so we're impacted by that sin and it creates a great deal of pain. It creates a great deal of pain between a man and a woman who falls in love and thought they'd never treat each other this way. It causes a great deal of pain between parents or a parent and a child who when that child came into the world, it was the most gorgeous child, perfect baby ever to be born. But the pain that comes from the relationship because the choice to sin. And we live in a world that God intended to be like He and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in unity. The dance of God. We're created in His image. He doesn't have ears like I have. God's image is that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit has been together for all eternity. I could spend a sermon on that. Then I could lead another sermon. Jesus stepped out of that experience and came to sinful earth. And felt that separation. That's why the cross was so agonizing for him. But all eternity, the dance of God, as Tim Keller would call it. But it was called that before Keller. And God created us in his image. He wanted us to know that. God didn't create us because he needed us, he created us because he wanted to share that with us. Painless unity, painless joy, painless peace, painless contentment. So He created a world for us. And He gave us the freedom in that world. But we chose to sin. And now we need freedom from the pain that sin brings. And so Jesus Christ our Lord came over 2,000 years ago. And He faced the sin that you and I had chose. And He felt the pain that you and I inflicted. And he died. Praise God. Sin could not keep him dead. The Bible says, in his resurrection he overcomes death, listen to me, and sin. And many of us only see him, we receive him as Lord, because when we die, we want to go to heaven. And if that's all God intended, then why didn't he just take us to heaven when we received him as Lord? He left us here because He wants us to know the victory that overcomes sin. And He wants us to share that with other people. And so I'm sharing a sermon series of overcoming that pain. And I'm identifying that in regards to forgiveness. Because many of us are feeling pain because we refuse to forgive. Or we refuse to accept forgiveness. Matt emphasized what was on that first video. Give yourself the gift of forgiveness. Wow! Last week in the first sermon, I called it, Why are you so angry? Because a lot of people are angry. They're angry because of something that happened to them. Something that maybe they made the wrong choices and did, or maybe something that, that they didn't do anything. It's just inflicted upon them. And if you remember, I shared with you why people have a problem with this pain in regard to forgiveness. Look on the screen. These are the three things I summarized when I used the Scripture. Something happens that hurts you. I shared that. Somebody does something that hurts you. Somebody doesn't do something that hurts you. You, you didn't mean to cause any trouble, but you made the wrong choice. 
And now you're attacked and it hurts you. You take it too personal. We're all going to take, when we're hurt, personal. But you take it too personal. By too personal, I mean you just start loading your mind full of this is unfair to me. This isn't right. And what you do, you begin telling yourself and maybe others what I call the epic story. And I call it an epic story because it's a story to remember. Some people in my age remember the Ten Commandments. You saw it as a young person. And still, when it comes on TV, you say, I ought to watch it, but you don't because you know the story. I shared with you uh, this week. This week I saw coming up was the gladiator. That's an epic story. I like that story. I wanted to watch it, but I said, I'm not going to watch it. I know how it's going to end. See, the epic story is a story that you don't forget. So you begin telling yourself, maybe others, and usually it is others, an epic story about how unfair and wrong it is in your opinion. What hurts you? This isn't fair. Could be you don't like the pastor. Mike treated me the wrong way. And you keep telling yourself that story. When you're out driving down the road, Mike treated me the wrong way. Your mate, why did he do that? I thought he loved me. And you keep telling yourself the epic story. Why did he do that? Your parent or, 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 or somebody, something. And it becomes an epic story and it just fills your mind. And when it fills your mind, I'm going to tell you, it begins controlling you. And when it controls you, all it does is bring pain. And that pain will be to yourself. And you'll inflict it on whoever hurt you. And the way you know normally, I think, from my experience, it's an epic story, is because you tend to tell other people the story. And every time you tell it, it just drums all that hurt back up. The Bible says this. Jesus Christ said this. Look on the screen in Matthew. Jesus Christ said, in prayer, now look what he says. There is a connection. You understand that word connection? Not in prayer, there's a church. In prayer, there's a connection. See, we're a church. We call ourselves connection because we're trying to connect the hearts of people with the hearts of God. That's all we're trying to do. Somebody says, How'd you get your name? Read our existence statement on the front of your worship handout. That's all we're trying to do. Connect the hearts of people with the hearts of God. But here, Jesus said, in prayer there's a connection between what God does and what you do. Wow! If God's so loving, why don't He? If God's so loving, why doesn't He? If God's so loving, why does this happen? Jesus says, in prayer there's a connection between what God does and what you do. In other words, I'm going to say this, don't hinder your prayer power. If in prayer there's a connection between what God does, and I'm going to pray to God and ask Him to do something, then there's a connection with what I do. If I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to hinder my prayer power. That's why some of you speaking, and I used to work with youth. I used to talk about prayer. And I'd always, of course, that's when you had overheads. And I, had, I drew up, and I'm not a real good artist, but a stick figure of a person praying, Dear God, oh, Heavenly Father, all the ways we talk. And, and their prayer would go up. And I drew a, a block. And it hit it and bounced back. Hit it and bounced back. And some of us were just speaking into the air. Because you see, Jesus said, in prayer there's a connection between what God does, and that's what we usually ask Him to do something, and what you do. Don't hinder your prayer power because of what you do. And so He says, you can't, He talks about forgiveness in this place. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, 
without giving forgive without also forgiving others. In other words, forgiveness from God ties with forgiveness to others. In other words, do I really understand the forgiveness of God if I've, if I've heard the story of Jesus on the cross and there He's hanging on the cross and He says, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. And yet, my mate wrongs me or my, my parent wrongs me or somebody did something inappropriate to me and I refuse to say, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they did. In Connecticut, a 16-year-old I mean, it, it's, it's supposed that he, that he stabbed that girl to death, that 16-year-old girl, because she wouldn't go to prom. We don't know if that's true. But some epic story had to be in his mind that he killed her. He killed her. He couldn't forgive her. He took it so personal. If you understand what Jesus teaches about forgiveness on the cross, then you can offer forgiveness to others. If you can't offer to others... Don't say you understand the forgiveness of Christ on the cross. Most of our relationships with, with mates, with parents and children, ch- church groups, come because we build epic stories and so I don't want to be around them anymore. I felt hurt. We don't forgive. And so he says you can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without forgiving others. And if you're not confessing your sin to God, your prayer's going to be empty. But you can't get forgiveness from God unless you forgive others. Look what he says there at the very end. If you refuse to do your part, what's he say, folks? Who cuts yourself off from God's part? Do you catch that? Me. Me. I've talked about the first two years of marriage with my wife. I'm so thankful to God. I want to, I, I want to return all my gratitude to her. I try to build ladies up. Laura's my example. But I'm so angry at life. I'm so mad at my dad. We could have been divorced. And yet, what would she do? After I got things, God got things right in my mind, I'd say, how'd you do? And she said, all i do, I'd just not talk to you. I'd pray. She wouldn't retaliate with her words toward me. She'd just pray. You just pray. But do you know, and I would cry out to God with little tears. God, why can't I be the kind I was supposed to be? I'm the one who cut myself off. I wasn't willing to forgive my dad. From what happened, I'm 13 years old. I'm carrying it into my marriage. See, if you refuse to do your part, that's all God asks me to do. God doesn't hold me accountable for your part. God doesn't hold me accountable for what somebody else has done to me. God doesn't hold me accountable for the hurt that you bring into my life. God holds me accountable for what my part is in regard to that. And my example, my example hung on the cross and gave me that example. And I can't totally understand that, folks, because I am made of clay. I am tied to this earth, and I want to give the rationale of humans, say, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. But here was God who knows the unity for all eternity, who created me in His image, to have that unity with Him and with other people, because He didn't make only me on this world. He created many people. And I find out through Jesus how to find that unity. I must, I must give forgiveness. I must give it. 
Don't cut yourself off from God because you refuse to do your part. And that leads me into this second sermon. I've titled it, You Can't Get Something Good from a Bad Seed because I'm going to talk about what we plant. Because the Scriptures talk about that that I'm going to use today. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Galatians. If you've got your Bibles, just, just the last part of your Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, okay? After Romans, it's Corinthians, then go eat popcorn. No, no, don't, don't leave. G-E-P-C. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. See, that's because we can't remember where those books are. So after, most people find the Gospels and then Acts, Romans, Corinthians, and they're lost. Just go eat popcorn. Now, a doctrinal student at the University of Illinois taught me that when I invited him to come down, senior at the University of Illinois, and speak to my youth group in my church in Albion, Illinois. And he told the young people, here's how you can remember find Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And I've just shared that with people. And then I was mentoring some guy who hadn't finished high school, and he says, I, I know how to learn the rest of them. Let's see if I can remember. Today, tomorrow, today, Tuesday, and Thursday, with peanut butter, ham, and jelly. This is, this is Timothy Titus. Oh, anyway, Thessalonians, Timothy Titus, and, 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 and Peter, and, and I, or Hebrew, no, Philemon, and Hebrews. It's crazy. I said, I think I'll just I learned those. But Galatians. Now, I've given you time to find that. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. I'm going to ask you to underline a verse in your Bible. So if you didn't bring your Bible, just, you know, we're into tattoos. Just write it on your forearm. Okay? Take it home with you. Now, the reason I tell people to underline their Bible and circle, okay? Now, if you've got those apps, you can do that too. Okay? You can highlight. So, so get your app. But, but it's because I want, you, I want you to take this this week. And I want you to take that, and I want you to go through this again. Let God speak to you. But I want you to remember the highlighted part, because if you read this in six months from now, I think it'll help you understand the context. Whenever I tell you to circle something or underline something. So that's why I do that. Okay? It has a purpose. Okay? Before we look at Galatians, look, look, look on your worship handout. Fill in the first blank. You've got, you got a place for blanks. It says the date. Okay? Okay? Nope, I'm sorry, that's not, yeah. No, that's not, yeah, that's the first blank. No, 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 let's go to Nixon. I missed that. Okay, first blank. You can't expect to find God blessings in your life if you plant a seed, okay, of ill feelings or holding a grudge against others because of some hurt you have felt. Okay? Just got to remember that. As we look into the Galatians, the letter that Paul wrote, he's writing to Christian people and he's giving them a lot of instructions. But let me be careful. When I say he's getting a lot of instructions, Paul's talking to people who ought to be in relationship with God. So this shouldn't be going to school. These should be words like a father speaking to a son, a brother who loves a brother, a sister helping a sister. These ought to be words to, to a, a, a dear uncle speaking to his nephew. These, these ought to be dear words of relationship. And Paul is talking to people who ought to be in relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. And so the words he's telling them is not because he's trying to instruct them, he's trying to help them in that relationship. And that's what we've got to be careful. I don't want to go to church, I'm tired of being told. No, you see, going to church is being with God's people, but we ought to be in relationship with God. We ought to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. So these words are words of relationship. 
Okay, and we're just looking at a part of the book near the end because it, I, I could tie it into the rest of the book in the sense everything I've said. Now, hey, you might want to start planning this way. But I'm going to talk about it in regards to forgiveness. But before we do, let me lead us in prayer. Would you just bow with me? Father, help us. Help us to comprehend what You want us to know at this time. And Father, just, just help us to understand, to be able to put it all together as we look through these, these words You've given us in, through Paul in the book called Galatians. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So look at the fifth verse. Galatians 6.5 Underline that fifth verse. When you read this passage, this is what you need to remember. He says, we are each responsible for our own conduct. See, Paul shares with him words of the relationship with God and Jesus Christ, but he tells him first, remember, you're the one responsible. Here's what I want to do. Yeah, but if they would act different. If they would have done that. If that wouldn't have happened to me. No, each are responsible for their own conduct. So everything I'm going to share with you is to you personally. It's not to the person sitting beside you. It's not to the person out there somewhere who hurt you. It's to you. You're responsible for your conduct. Now, what Jesus said, don't let your refusal to do your part cause you to not experience God's part. So each are responsible. So every time you read this sixth chapter after this, realize all these words are an invitation for you to do your part. And what are your part? I'm going to tell you five things he says here in regard to forgiveness, even though he doesn't use the word forgiveness so much here, okay? This would deal with the book itself. Five things that are important if we're going to be people who can find freedom from our pain in regard to hurt that we feel because somebody hurt us. Okay? So look on your worship handout. Fill out the next blank. God can't be mocked. Look at the first part of verse 7. God can't be mocked. Look at the first part of verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. See, just understand that. God is a jealous God. God is the Creator. God is the God who has decided how we best function. And you cannot mock what God says. His justice. He's a fair God. He holds us accountable. And yet He offers through Jesus Christ forgiveness for our sin. Don't be misled. You can't mock Him. What God says is true. Many want us to doubt God because you see, God confronts us where we need our most help. I have had so many punctures in my arms. Thank you for being so kind. So many people ask me how I felt. Somebody says, man, you're losing weight. No, I'm buying thinner shirts. <laughs> you know, that's what you do. You just buy them size too small. No, I'm not. i got to buy some shirts. Told Laura yesterday, go buy some jeans. I lost 24 pounds. End of May, I'll be better. Many of you prayed. I said, pray because my stomach wouldn't take food. My stomach takes food now, but I don't want to eat food. So now I need people to pray. I get my, God to give me my appetite back. See, I want that weight to come back. So thank you for that. But just understand, many of us deceive ourselves because we won't listen to God and we want to do it our way. And God, don't be misled. You can't mock God. He's the Creator. Some of you parents know that you've raised your children and your son or your daughter sort of mocked your instructions. You say, okay, go ahead. See what's going to happen. Right? And some of you got little kids. They'll never get that bad. See? 
Not until they get to be about 13 or 14 or 9 or 10. The Living Bible puts that verse this way. Look on the screen. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. See? Nope, nope. Let's go to the next one. Yeah. You can't ignore God and get away with it. See, we can't. You can't. That's what Jesus was saying. You can't expect God's part if you're not going to do your part. You can't ignore the justice of God. You can't ignore God and get away with it. It'll catch up with you. Look at number two on your worship handout. Fill in that blank. A person harvests what a person plants. That's what he says. A person harvests what a person plants. And, and it comes from the last part of verse 7. 7, 7b. Let's look. Yeah, there you go. You will always harvest what you plant. That's what God says. No, I can plant ill feelings. I can hold on. I can harbor ill feelings. I can refuse to forget. No, no, you're always going to harvest what you plant. That's what God says. The bad or the good comes as a result of what you hold on to. It affects your attitude. It affects your relationships. It affects, it affects the look on your face. Remember last week I talked about what God said to Cain. What the, why is the scowl on your face? Why are you so angry? If you only do what's right, it wouldn't be like that, God said. Remember we looked in the Scriptures of that? Genesis 3rd chapter. You see, what you plant will always affect everything about you. If you hold on to hard feelings, and I'm sorry, whatever happened to you, it's just going to bring a harvest in you. It's going to cause you to display that. Your child or your grandchildren are going to say, what's wrong with mom or dad? What's wrong with grandfather, grandmother, grandpa, grand, or papa and mama? What's wrong with them? Oh, they'll be okay. They'll get over it. But some of us don't get over it. You will harvest what you plant. Look at number three. On your blank. Bad planning brings bad results and good planning brings good results. Bad planning brings bad results and good planning brings good results. Look at verse eight. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from what the sinful nature, from that sinful nature, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now, now let me just say about everlasting life. See, we're so tuned in to receive Jesus and go to heaven. You know, I've said that before. Get out of jail card. And that's not mine. Many people have said that. That eternal life or everlasting life means a life that begins now. And see, I haven't gone to heaven yet. It's a relationship with God. And so the Spirit will harvest a relationship with God. And that comes from the Spirit. I can't manufacture that. Listen, I would hold on to the hurt that happened in my life. I would. I've shared this. I had to reach 27. Some men had to speak into my life and mentor me so that I come to understand I need to make amends to my dad. I had to apologize to my dad. Not even mentioning what he did. I had to apologize for my action. What he did, he has to respond to. You see, that comes from the Spirit. That didn't come from me. And that was hard. Because you see, my, my nature wants to say, no, I'm going to hold on to it. Why? Because I hang out with a lot of people who hold on to their hurt. And we justify that. And we get away. And that epic story builds. Now what does that mean? The sinful nature... 
The sinful nature will say, just hold on to your epic story. Hold on to your hurt. Create that epic story and tell yourself that again and again. And tell other people that epic story. Keep just stirring up the hurt that's there. And don't let it go. And don't forgive. That's what the sinful nature does. Again, if you were here last week, that's what happened with Cain. And so what happened? He killed his brother. You may not have killed somebody. You may not take as rash actions like that sick, that, that high school boy did to that 16-year-old girl in Connecticut this week. But you have killed them. Jesus says that's a very dangerous thing to do in the Sermon on the Mount. To in your heart to consider someone a fool. It's a very dangerous thing. But you see, the sinful nature says, don't let go. Don't forgive the hurt. The Spirit will say, I can comfort you. I know this isn't fair. But I am God. The Spirit will say, don't hold on to your story. Every time you want to tell it, stop. Every time Satan wants to start taking over, look at the flowers or the trees. You say, that's not reality. No, that's not reality for people who live in the Spirit. I'm I'm sorry, that's not reality for people who live by the sinful nature. They say it's only human nature. But that's reality in the Spirit. You get thinking about the things of God. And the Spirit will say, let it go. The Spirit will say, forgive. Some of you have planted in such a way that, listen, a hurt is coming to your life and it has held on to you for weeks, months. And I'm sorry to say, some of you have held on, it's holding on to you for years. And you know it. I'm not creating this feeling in people. It's there. I just know it's there. After 40 years of working with people. And the sinful nature is seeking to cause you to continue experiencing the harvest of decay and death. And you can't understand why you keep feeling that way. And God wants to set you free from that pain through your following the Lordship of Jesus Christ. As we say, Living and loving like Jesus. It's, that's impossible. How could you go to a cross and say, Father, forgive them for hurting me. Father, forgive them for being disloyal and having an affair on me. God, forgive them for divorcing me. God, forgive them for hurting me. How can you do that? You can't. Not from our nature. You can only do that in the Spirit. Living and loving like Jesus. That's the only way. If you don't do that, look at the next blank on your worship handout. This is what you do. You continue, you empower in the present the hurt that happened in the past. That's what you do. If you won't let it go, You see, the Spirit wants you to let it go because the Spirit doesn't want that hurt to have control today. Eight years ago, something happened to me. Next morning after it happened, Monday morning, wife says, you're going to talk to God? I said, I'm not going to talk to God. I'm not going to pray. I'm so mad. I know what God's going to say. He's going to say, forgive those people. I'm not going to forgive any people. 
That was wrong. That's a horrible reputation for God's people. It probably took me two days. You see, because I've developed a habit of spending time with God and I began missing it. Third day, I opened the Bible. And God and I have a good cry. And he deals with what? My second life issues worry. He says, now what you've got to be sure is worry, because he's told me this before. Mike, when you worry, let's be honest, you just don't trust me. So he said, don't you worry about what's going to happen. I'm God. Nobody else is God. And I'm telling you, I looked for those people. I'd look for them in the store. I'd look for them walking down the street. I'd wave at them. I'd see them turn down an aisle because they didn't want to see me. I'd go back to the other aisle and meet them. Say, hi, how you doing? Have a good day. I wasn't trying to embarrass them. I wanted them to know I didn't hold any hard feelings. And that was hard, folks. To say that's easy, it wasn't. It was hard. I got, I got neighbors. I got some people live near me. I see them. They can be as close as this front row and I'll wave at them. They won't wave at me. I just want them to know I'm not holding on to this. You see, I don't want to empower the hurt in the past. That's, that'd be stupid. Wouldn't it be something that happened eight years ago and me tell any epic story? It, it's now as an example. And you know why I have to give that example? Because it made my children very mad. I got four adult children. And they love God. And, and, and they're all involved in trying to create churches. And they thought that was so unjust. And they had to hear their dad's not holding on to it. They have to hear, oh, I have human nature. I didn't want to talk to God. You see, you've got to let it go. If you don't, you empower that hurt to hurt you today. You never get freedom from your pain. Look at number four. Don't get tired of doing the good that God wants you to do. Verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You see, hurtful experiences come to us often. Why? We live in a world full of sinful people. Uh, Matt, Matt does a good, good explanation of that. This morning, he talked about that. We're sinful people. And so hurt comes into our lives often. My wife will hurt me from time to time. I will hurt her from time to time. It's important that she hears me say, I'm sorry, and I hear her say, I forgive you. It's important that, 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 that I hear her say, I'm sorry, and, and I say, I forgive you. You see, we want to short-circuit it. Oh, I love you. It's important that our children hear that. It's important our grandchildren hear that. You see, we live... With sinful people. I'm sinful, you're sinful. So hurt comes to us often. And so we have to forgive often. And sometimes an individual can hurt us repeatedly. And we want to say, but if you really cared, you wouldn't keep doing it. How come you keep doing it? Did that go over your head? How come you keep repeating the same sin sometimes? And you love God. You love Jesus. You see, forgiveness is what we need. And where have we learned that? We learned that in the relationship with God. Our Heavenly Father. And through the example of the Son, Jesus. 
And now Paul's trying to help us understand we live these characteristics that co-flow right out of God. God created us in His image to be in unity. And this all flows because the Spirit is at work in us. Right now the Holy Spirit is, is speaking into your mind and the Holy Spirit is trying to get you to do what is Spirit things. That is to forgive. To forgive. God tells us that if, if we don't get tired, if we don't stop doing what's the right thing to do, then in time we're going to reap a harvest from that. And you will. You will. I don't like to bring up my past. I don't like to talk about my dad and he was a good dad. It was just a mistake. A mistake decision he made one day that I took too personal. That's all it was. I don't like to talk about eight years ago. I don't like to talk about those things to people. But those are my illustrations. You have yours. You don't want to keep epic stories of the hurt. What you want to do is you want to keep epic stories of the forgiveness. You want that to be what people remember about your life. You see, you don't want to get tired of doing that. And if you don't get tired of letting go and offering that forgiveness, you're going to reap from that. And you're going to reap what the Spirit has to reap. And you're going to see a change in your marriage. You're going to see a change in your relationships with your children and your parents. You're going to see a change in relationship with your brothers and your sisters. And in your relationship with church people. And maybe in relationship with the people you work with. And they're going to say, you're different. That's what you are. And you're going to say, yeah, I'm pretty good Joe, aren't I? No, you're going to want to say, well, if you really want to know why, yeah. It's a relationship I have with Jesus Christ. And then you just leave it. They don't ask any more. If they ask more, you explain more. You will reap a harvest. Many of us can't talk about Christ because we won't live like Christ. Look at number five. We are to be this way. Letting go and forgiving. Especially toward others in God's family. And I always hit this hard. Especially toward others in God's family. Look at verse 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Especially to those in the family of God. God does not want His people angry at each other. And yet, some of the, this world, what it knows more about the church is that church people fight. That's the reputation this world knows. That's why Connection goes out and gave out hams a few weeks ago. And we give out turkeys. And we just try to give things to people. Not promoting the church. Just saying God cares for you. So that they realize Christian folks aren't people who are arguing. Connection doesn't have that opportunity to argue. We don't give that opportunity. You want a church that gives you the opportunity? They're all over the place. And they're good churches. Lives have been changed. But we shouldn't be known as angry people. We shouldn't be known as angry people. We should be known as people who forgive one another. People who let go the wrong that we might have done. Oh, I'm not saying don't confront one another. You know, you hurt me when you said that. You hurt me when you did that. Sometimes people hurt us and they didn't mean to hurt us. We just assume they meant to hurt us. I'm telling you, sometimes with some people, it's so difficult for me as pastor to be tactful. Because they hardly even talk with me. 
And I'm trying to have a relationship. In the family, God wants His people to show the world that we can let go and we can forgive and we can love. This world's looking for a place like that. They're looking for a place where there's not bickering and arguing because they see it in their homes. They see it in their marriages. They see it at work. They hear it at school. They hear it on their ball teams. They hear it all over the place. Can there ever be a place of unity? It ought to be the place where people are in relationship with God. Well, I love God, but I don't know if I love you. No. As long as we keep telling our epic stories and holding on to grudges, folks will never know the unity of God. Look at the last blank on your worship handout. We overcome our hurtful experiences by listening to what God says. That's how we overcome. Don't listen to what Mike Davis says. Listen to what God says. I hope, I hope I'm helping you understand some of what God says, but li- read His Word. Listen to what God says. The Bible says this. Let's look again at Matthew. Look on your screen. This is from the New Century Version. It reads a little bit different. A little bit more understandable. Jesus is speaking. This is a conclusion to the parable. Okay? The parable could be a sermon on its own, but this is a conclusion. It says, Then the Master called His servant in and said, You evil servant, Now, why does he call this servant evil? Okay, The master said, because you begged me to forgive what you owed, I told you that you did not have to pay anything. Verse 33 says, you should have showed mercy to that other servant just as I showed mercy to you. In other words, this this servant came to the master, he owed a great debt that needed to be forgiven because he couldn't pay it. Just like I can't pay for my sins. And the master says, I forgive it. And then the the servant went out and another person came to him or her, whoever it was, and said, hey, I owe you. I can't pay it. And this servant says, throw you into prison till you pay it. Forgiven greatly. Refused to forgive greatly. 34. The master was very angry and put the servant in prison to be punished until he could pay everything he owed. There's nothing wrong with this. Now you and I say, well, that's the most stupidest thing I could ever do because think that the master could do because a person can't pay. Jesus telling the parable will teach us a lesson. Humans always got to figure everything out. This, this, is, this is everything that's right. This is what the master can do. This is what was right in that society. The master could throw him into prison. The master offered forgiveness to the servant. The servant experienced the, grata, the greatness of that forgiveness how, how easy it made life for that servant. And then that servant then had opportunity to show that forgiveness towards someone else, but refused. And so the Master says, then you're held accountable. Now, what's the lesson? Look at 35. This king did what my heavenly Father... Who's that? God... What my heavenly Father will do to you... Jesus telling the story. If you do not... Forgive your brother or sister from your heart. In other words, you just let it go. How do you overcome your hurtful experience? You do what Jesus said. That's what you take with you when you leave. You do what Jesus said. 
You see, He went to the cross. He paid a debt that I could not pay. That's what the Scriptures teach us. See? I owed that debt. I could not pay it. He paid that debt. He did not owe it. Jesus did no sin. Why did He go to the cross? For me. For me. If I understand His forgiveness, then when I get put on my crosses and people hurt me, then I am. I am to forgive them. Do they deserve it? Did the people who put Jesus on the cross deserve forgiveness? No. It's because of God's love. That's why God always says, love me. Yeah, I hate that that God demands I love you. No, God says, love me because I first loved you. You see, God wants us to be His body in this world. Demonstrating who He really is to one another and the people around us. Look on the screen. Just because something happened that hurt you does not mean you have to continue letting that hurt have influence over your life. Let it go. Just let it go. Forgive. And when Satan brings it back to your mind, when he brings it back into your mind, but they, you forgive again. I've said this before. Satan will always remind you or somebody who is being influenced by Satan will remind you. And what you have to do is you just need to apply the forgiveness again. And so apply it again and again and again. Freedom from your pain comes from doing what our Lord Jesus Christ tells us to do. Do we have the touch someone's life gift? Let's see, I got it. Man. Okay, we received $508 today. Okay. Where's the treasure? Do we need this? No. I'm just kidding. I think I think our treasure is helping in childcare. Okay, two hundred fifty-four dollars and two hundred fifty-four dollars. We'll give this to two people. Okay. Let's see. I got to look through here. Uh, I'd like to ask Bruce Hasley. I pronounce that right. Would Would you take one of these bags? Okay. I'm see. I give them a half sheet of paper. We've learned from giving this to people some things that people have felt in giving this away, and so or how hard it was. So if you'd come, I'm going to give this to you, and, and you you can just read that half sheet, and then then just take that, and we just let God work through you. Good deal. Thank you, Bruce. It's okay. Um, and then uh, Christina McCaughlin. Christine, yeah, right here in front of me. And so you give that away. Okay. Appreciate that. Uh, thank you for giving to that offering. Understand, these people give it away. Uh, read your, your worship handout. We always put the stories in there. I put those stories in the mail out that I give each week. If, if you want to mail out, you've got to give me your email address. But uh, you can read what these people have done. Okay? Thank you for being here. Thank you for spending the morning with God's people. Let's bow together and then we're finished. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your words. Thank you for, thank you for Your Holy Spirit that works in, the, in us who know Christ as Lord. And help us 
just to live life as our Lord has exemplified it before us. As your Spirit leads us. In the name of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.